Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Lucas and Vincent were not in the mainstream of gay life. I was saving body parts, such as uh, skulls. Doesn't it bother you that he's a fag? You have done me a great service. Now I must service you. And the drugs were, were always a, a cry for attention, for somebody to pay attention to me before I, you know, <laughs> kill somebody. <laughs> You can imagine what it smells like if you go into a closed room. Something is trying to get inside my body. Yeah, she's female and she's waiting for you in the cabana. And you want to sleep with me. Buckle up, Sodomites, and welcome to the Sinister Sissies Podcast. Your guide to true crime, horror, and everything man-on-man and macabre. I'm Jared, your master of depravity, staring at the beautiful face of my filthy little slave, Sam Hamilton. Thank you, Master. I will I will take beautiful. I'm glad that I have an allegedly beautiful face because there's a face in the film that we're watching that we watched for yeah. this episode. And let's just say her face goes from beautiful to not so beautiful by the end. That's true. So I was wondering how you were going to tie that in. It's an interesting way of doing it. My slave is very creative. Uh, today we're doing a film. Uh, we're doing Irreversible by Gaspar Noé, who... Hey who I've learned recently. It's no way, not no. I've been saying no. Yes, look, I, me as an un- uneducated Australian bogan, I've been like, I love Gaspar, no. Gaspar, no. But, you know, now Gaspar, we... Gaspar, no way. Now I'm, you know, my way, my wet. Oh. Look, this film definitely um, caused me 
the amount of trauma that made me feel like I was regressing as a human. So yes. I, somehow it ties in with the irreversible theme. Gaspar Noé is an Argentine filmmaker based in Paris. Uh, he was known for a lot of some really great films that I like. Um, I Stand Alone, Into the Void, Love, Climax. Climax would probably be my favourite. I bet you love Love. Yeah. Uh, look, I like the guy in Love. The rest of the movie's a bit, yeah. What, was it Carl Glusman? Carl Glusman? Glusman? Is anyway, his name? He's hot. I yeah, he is hot. You see his dick. That's that's why I like love. See, I think climax was his best film because it was yes, that's why it think, was yeah. depraved, but it was still like it felt like it was within some sort of boundary that you could be like you could recommend it to people. This film, oh, look, irreversible is not a recommending. Look, I was going to watch this film. Okay, so I've got a guide. I'm a bit like infatuated with right now, and we walked under an underpass, which yeah. is relevant to this film. And I was like, oh, I've got to watch this film for my podcast that I'm doing. I'm like, maybe we could like watch it together. And I'm so fucking glad that we didn't watch it together because I don't think we'd be seeing each other again. No, it's, 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 it is on the top of many most disturbing films ever made lists. I don't think it's quite that level, but it's still a very disturbing movie. Before anyone says anything about this not actually being a gay film, let me make my case briefly. Um, we do homoerotic horror. This is a horrifying film, so I'm going to tick that one off there. Okay. And a large segment of this film, I reckon about half of this film, is to do with a gay character and gay-related themes. Well, and there's a gay sex club features very prominently. That's what I mean. So that's the yeah. first half and then, the you know, so so a large proportion of this film is homoerotic. So I'm willing to say that it falls within it. worth noting some of the production background which was quite interesting in the reaction to this movie uh gasper noe started off with a three-page draft for this film all of the dialogue was improvised and a number of the scenes were improvised as well including the most controversial scene so i i think it's it's going to be interesting when we get to that to talk about some of the background there i just remember how controversial this film was when it came out because i think it only played there used to be this theatre in Victoria called the, the Lumiere, or mm-hmm. I'm probably mispronouncing. I feel like that might have been the only place Irreversible played. And it probably played illegally because it was banned in Australia for a period of time. Well, maybe it came out here a couple of years later or something. Maybe it got reclassified. I don't know. But I just I remember reading this no-star review in the Herald Sun of all places. Yeah. Um, talking about the opening scene and how disturbing it was. That was already burned in my mind. Like, yeah, this is going to be fucked. And then when I watched it, I was like, yeah, this actually lived up to... The controversy. It is uh, disturbing in many ways. Gaspar Noé, throughout all of his films, use visu- uses visual effects and sound in order to make you feel nauseated this and film disoriented. Is fucking, this film is fucking disgusting. Yeah. It's vile. Yes. I. But it's it, talentedly vile. Like, it's well, this very it's well the, done. That's this is where I just, I just, I can just admit, leaves me feeling very confused because it's like an expertly crafted mm. piece of cinema. It makes you feel so many intense emotions. Even the, like, there's a, there's a lot of um, 
Don't get into spoilers yet. Okay, I won't. Okay, no spoilers. <laughs> no, but even like the camera, like you feel like you're on the Gravitron. Like the film is so disorienting yes. from the get-go. So I, some of the reviews that I've seen for Irreversible and many of Yasmanoe's films is that they talk about it being kind of morally depraved and terrible and all that sort of stuff. But you cannot deny that it's this skill. Well, there's a power to it, yes. It's very skillfully done. So even if you're not vibing with the movies that he does... I think you can agree that he's a brilliant filmmaker. Well, that's why I thought Climax was great, because it kind yeah. of marries these two concepts really well. Whereas this film, the characters are reprehensible. Yeah. Even, even not the primary victim, but the protagonist of the film, her yeah. boyfriend, is a scumbag. Mm-hmm. The people who have committed like the crime against the main character, the victim i don't know if we'd call it a main character i don't know yeah but it's one of the uh, scumbags but it's one of those films that's so i hadn't seen it for 10 years but it's still so embedded in my mind like every time i walk underneath an underpass i think of this film yeah like it just happened for like 10 years so that just yeah when it premiered at at Cannes, um there were 2400 people in the audience and 200 of them walked out in the middle of the film I can guess when they walked out, probably, or unless they did it at the start. Um, The Irreversible, despite having a lot of homoerotic themes, as I'm going to try and argue when we go through the plot, um, it it was called homophobic by a number of reviewers, which I don't think is fair. Well, I love that Gaspar Noé's um, justification for it not being homophobic is that he was in one of the scenes at the gay sex club. He himself was masturbating mm. in the background. And he's like, I did that as, like, to show, like, my respect to gay people. He's, done, he's <laughs> actually done a lot of cool, like, so he's made little um, sex education films in France where they're very, like, gay positive and they show, like, I mean, like, isn't... He's not a homophobic guy. Well, look, I can see how people could read this film as being homophobic because yeah. I think it definitely could be read that Overly way. Overly sensitive people. <laughs> I no, but I think that I think what people are missing is that the characters in this film are all like sort of morally reprehensible people in one way or another. Yeah. So there's a lot of homophobic behaviour and language going on, but it's not You're not on their side. Yeah, I mean it, like, the, the, the nice friend, for example, never says anything homophobic. Yes, no. he kills a gay person. Yeah. But he's, just, well, he's, but he's never, like, I don't recall him that being, happens like, at the start, it's you know, being, like, faggot, 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 like the main no. character is. No. And I think, I feel like we're not meant to be seeing this character as someone who's, like, a stand-up person. So it's that no. sort of debate of, like. It's a nihilist. It's yeah, a nihilistic It is film. nihilistic. And nihilistic things are kind of can't be bigotry bigoted in some ways because to be bigoted you have to believe in something (laughs) you know what i mean like i i do think i understand people see the film perceive the film as being homophobic but i think that yeah it's one of those situations where you're trying to portray a certain situation and people involved in it in an honest way and it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what the film is saying. You know what I mean? Everyone's a scumbag and life is pain and life is terrible. That's the ethos of this film. I would wholeheartedly agree with that, yes. <laughs> uh, so if all of that sounds great to you, I recommend checking it out. It is on Shudder, if you have Shudder. Just don't watch it if you're in a great mood. I feel like, <laughs> this, I feel like this might crush your party. I think, I mean, what's a comparable movie? I mean, there are certain genres of horror films that are just designed to, to make you feel like shit. So, uh, Salo... 120 Days of Sodom is a great one. Love that film. Uh, a Serbian film. 
See, I've never seen a Serbian film, but I've seen clips and read about it so extensively I feel like I've seen it and don't need to see it. It's it's, it's a better made film than you think it's going to be. Um, what's another good classic? I mean, even, even um, Last House on the Left. Um, oh, Last House on the Left, though, is at least... I the last uh, there are there, there, it's the same like nihilist gritty. Bit. Yeah, I can definitely. I think it's a very comparable film to this, actually. Yeah, all right. I think that that's enough trigger warnings yeah. <laughs> across the board for this. If that sounds interesting, check it out because we're about to get into spoilers. It starts with, as all Gaspar Noé films start, with some very stylized titles. Um, never see a Gaspar Noé film if you have epilepsy. <laughs> no, I actually hid under my covers when I watched it because I was scared it was going to induce a seizure in me. It's just, it's really, all of his films um, do this thing where they use the flashing lights. I was going to say, it's, it's definitely blurring like what's like actually allowed in terms of... What do you mean? Because I think there's, I thought there was like a limit of, like. Um, oh, are you are you limited in what you can do? Because th- he times the flashes as well with a particular um, like audio movement, and so it, I think it just fucks with your it brain. It really fucked my brain. I, f- I felt like I had to hide. Like I actually yeah, no, you do feel like you're going to have a seizure every time you see a Gaspar Noé film. So he starts off with that, and the tiles themselves are twisting and turning, so you can't read them properly, um, and. Uh, uh, by the way, in terms of uh, the first shots that we see in this film are a camera going into an apartment and then down to a car park and then back. And it's this very twisty mm. camera movement, um, which Gaspar Noe has admitted that he did a shitload of cocaine in order to conceptualize and, and undertake those camera movements. I mean, I even think... the character behaviors in the film, it's got a very, Everyone's like, very, it's got a very coke rage sort of elevated Yes. Sort of feel to it. Um, the first uh, proper scene that we see is um, of a man in an apartment. Um, it is the character, the butcher from Gaspar Noe's film, I Stand Alone. Have you seen that one? I haven't seen it, no. Uh, look, it's equally gross and disgusting. Well, he fucked his daughter, according to what we learn here. So. Yeah, so he's... And well, he also murdered. I don't actually know. I don't want to spoil. I stand alone. I'd I recommend checking it out if you liked Irreversible. Um, they have a, a conversation about the, the history that that he had, and he contemplates killing himself. Um, we then shift the camera downwards to seeing a whole bunch of police sirens, and we see one of our protagonists, Pierre, played by Albert Dupontel. I'm going to assume it's that, mm. Albert Dubontel, um, who's been put in handcuffs. Um, and we also see Marcus, played by Vincent Cassel. Cassel. Cassel, Vincent Cassel. Um, I've seen him in a bunch of things. Um, he's being put into a stretcher um, because he's injured. We also see these two gangster guys um, throwing insults at them. Um, and we see that somebody has been murdered. So I kind of like, you know, we, we start with the aftermath. So the whole point of the, the film is why did this horrible fucking thing happen? And you figure out as you, as you go along. We uh, cut to the next scene, um, which is uh, Marcus and Pierre 
going through this gay club, which is wonderfully called The Rectum. Interesting note here, it is a real club. Oh. So what you see at The Rectum, that multi- it looks terrifying, claustrophobic. It's this multi-level gay S&M club, um, which is very narrow at the same time. So um, I saw interviews with people about filming in that location. They were very claustrophobic. Um, so it's a real uh, gay club in, in Paris called uh, Club Bunk. Club Bunk, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, and we see Marcus running through this gay club trying to find Le Teniere. This is the bit that um, is arguably homophobic, or I think many people perceive as homophobic. Marcus is running around kind of assaulting and accosting the various people at the gay S&M club um, when they eventually find the guy uh, who claims to be Le Teniere. And I love that we... We don't know if he's the right guy. I don't think is it is it ever confirmed that he's the right guy. Well, we know in the ends that he's the wrong guy. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. Because, because he's with a guy who, spoiler, is Latinier, mm. and yeah, the camera sort of like pans to him, so we know he's got some significance, I suppose. Yes, and we find out as the film goes in reverse that yes, you so killed the, sorry, the wrong yes. man. They start accosting a guy who they think is Latinier. Um, and, uh, originally it's Marcus kind of bashing him. Marcus ends up getting his arm broken. And in response to that, Pierre gets a fire extinguisher and beats in the guy's head in a really graphic, although not the best effect in retrospect. Some of the CGI in the later Bashes hasn't aged that well, no. but it's quite. It's still a very because like, I think they start off with a prosthetic on yeah. the guy's face, and then they switch to a full dummy at some point. It's yeah, a they, little bit obvious. Yeah, they, they and they had to incorporate more CGI than they wanted to because they thought the dummy looked fake. Yeah, but yeah, it, it is. It is still a very confronting. It's brutal, like brutal, it's fucking brutal. Yeah, I'm trying to find the words for it really, but it definitely wakes you up. Mm. So it essentially gets to a point where these heads kind of inverted in. Yes, his head is a pulp after like 12 or 13 hits. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards, um, Pierre, who we, you, even from this, this initial scene, you can tell Pierre is kind of the more innocent one. And He's like the gentle, innocent. like balanced friend. He kind of stands there shocked at what he's being turned into, basically. Uh, we then go back to our next scene, um, and it's Marcus and Pierre in a taxi assaulting the taxi driver. And this is where we see Marcus as a full fucking idiot, um, in full force. He's violent, he's aggressive, and he's demanding to go to the rectum, uh, which is the gay club. Um, and again, at this point, when you view it for the first time, you know that they're angry about something. They know that they want something, but you have no context. And in the back of all of this is, for the first 30 minutes of the film, the background noise is this 28 hertz um, frequency, which Gaspar Noé uses in all of his films. And it's apparently meant to cause feelings of nausea. So if, if for the first... 30 minutes of this film, you're feeling particularly... I mean, everything is set up. Well, yeah, like I said, I think at the start, like it feels like you're on a Gravitron. Like, if anyone's ever been on the Gravitron at an amusement park. Yeah. Like, it, it, yeah, it, well, it feels like you're on a roller coaster going upside down a lot. So it's that, plus, I think for the first 30 minutes, people are just yelling. Like, it's just yelling and screaming and quick 
things happening over and over again. It disorients There's a lot of faggot, faggot, faggot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which I think is incredibly well done. The next scene that we see is Pierre and Marcus um, essentially accosting a bunch of sex workers, street-based sex workers, um, who are trans or, I don't know, Femi, gay men, I don't know what the, the movie is not not very clear on its LGBT politics, strangely it, it appears, I got the interpretation they were trans. Trans, yeah, trans sex workers um, uh, saying that they were looking for Latinier. Latinier means something, doesn't it? It means parasite, no, the the worm. I think it's the worm. Whatever it means, it's the name that like our sort of the villain, our villain goes. The tapeworm. Yeah, well, the our villain tape. goes by that name. Goes by the tape. Of course, he goes by the tapeworm because it goes up your butt. Um, they're chasing down and accosting um, these women. Marcus ends up threatening a trans woman with a piece of broken glass, and she identifies that Latenier is in where he is in terms of the rectum. Um, we flash forward, backwards, uh, and we see for the first time uh, um, Alex played by Monica Bellucci, um, who is hospitalised and it's revealed that she's comatose whilst we see Marcus and Pierre. And her face is completely mangled. Yeah. And we see Marcus and Pierre being questioned by police. Um, It's there that we see the two gangsters approach them, essentially saying, you know, we can find out who did this. The police are too slow. And yeah, pay up and you'll get results. Yeah. And Pierre's reluctant, but Marcus is keen for revenge. And then we get the next flashback, which is the most controversial one. Yes. Let's just say it's a 10 minute rape scene. No cuts. I can't even think of how traumatic this scene was probably to film for both Monica Bellucci and the person playing Latinier. So important to note on this, Gaspar Noé had no, so this was an improvised scene. So Gaspar Noé knew that she was going to be assaulted and Monica Bellucci orchestrated the scene. All Gaspar Noé said was that it had to be under 20 minutes. And so this really brutal scene that, that I, again, some people view as like a highly misogynistic or whatever scene was Monica Bellucci's complete orchestration. Well, women can still, you know, be misogynistic. <laughs> Potentially, <laughs> but I, I don't, I, I don't think that's a fair interpretation. Because no, I think this scene this is, is, it's just painting how disgusting rape is. That's all. I would just, you know, if you really want to show like what someone's been through, why not? Yeah. show it like this because it really it really really dehumanizes the rapist and humanizes the victim i think yeah it's um so it, it starts off um alex played by monica bellucci is walking under an underpass and she sees la Tenier, the tapeworm pimp essentially assaulting one of the the sex workers um and the sex worker runs off and he assaults her and then proceeds to rape her and it's slow and it is drawn out like as in it it goes and he he anally rapes her as well yeah um and she's screaming and she gives like an incredible performance because you believe everything in that i love i don't love the, the i appreciate that they do a bit where midway through the scene somebody comes and sees it happening and then flees and doesn't get help. 
Um, I think that that shows kind of the brutality of this world that we're that we're depicting in it. Um, it's almost boring at points. Do you get what I mean? Like, as in, it's played. There's no quick cuts. It's like a well. It's it's one. It's just one shot. Yeah. So yeah. It's 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 not like a very. It's not a stylized scene per se. It's just it's literally just one shot of her being raped for like eight to ten minutes. And I think that's why it's so because. I think the use of cuts in, you know, when you see rape in movies and stuff, the use of cuts is almost to give you kind of a breather. Well, it, it, make, it reminds you it's a movie, whereas this, yeah. it's sort of like it, you become so immersed in it because, like, you're not, like, you're just stuck on this, like, single take for so long. You, Yeah, I don't know. I definitely didn't get bored. I wasn't entertained, but I was, like, horrified by it. I mean, the temptation that I had when I was, is that you want to skip forward. And then it gives you, it just wants you to get it over and done with and skip it as possible, but it doesn't relent and it just makes you go through it. Um, and after he rapes, so there's, so, so the only um, thing uh, that Gaspar Noé did have an impact of is after she's raped, she's beaten unconscious. And I think Noé orchestrated having extra blood and he also added in, which some people view as gratuitous, I don't know, I think it adds the realism of it, the, the CGI penis when he rolls off. Oh, yeah. So it's not the actor's dick there. It's the CGI penis, and Gaspar Noé included that in, which he got criticism for, but I... I mean, we just watched this rape scene. I mean, he obviously raped her with his penis, so I don't really And it see just adds to so the shocking. visceralness. Well, it's yeah. that extra level of visceralness. But I think... I just think that this... It's one of those scenes where it's very clear what the intent is. It's not... You know, I didn't. It's not like an ex. It's not like in an exploitation movie from like the eighties or seventies, no. where it's like you question some of like the mo- motivation. I think it's really clear that this is just like really painting like yeah. how depraved this moment was. What those exploitation films used to do, which this is absolutely not doing, is that they used to sometimes kind of eroticize the the rape and this was not eroticized no if if you were turned on by the scene you need professional help yeah (laughs) it's not it's not downplaying it it's brutal yeah and it's terrible um and look this is this is why the the movie is so infamous um but i do want to emphasize that monica bellucci is the one that orchestrated that scene i didn't actually know that um i just can't imagine like being a part of that scene just because the fact, the fact that there's no cuts means they had to act this scene out for, you know, the full they eight did to ten four, minutes. They did four takes, um, and Bellucci said, like, when she was asked, because lots of people were obviously asking her in interviews, like, oh, that must have been a horrendous scene and grueling, and she said um, the first take was perfectly fine, and all she said is that the other takes were harder because it was so planned out. Yeah. She just had to try and fake a genuine reaction to being flung a certain way or do something like that's the only thing that she said about this scene. And well, I think and I think that's notable because there's been particularly in recent years a lot of actresses talking about the fact that they were pushed by a director to doing a scene in a way that made them completely uncomfortable. And a lot of those scenes themselves are probably played out to be highly erotic scenes, mm. but actually the actress was unhappy. Meanwhile, this is the scene where the actress was given free reign. Yeah, well, and I think the concept of the film is essentially about someone being raped and the, the events yeah. that like that occur as a result. So I don't think it would really be a shock that this film is this scene is in the film. Like I think, you yeah, know, Monica would have had a, a decent idea of what she was getting into, and she's yeah, and she's. I I imagine if she was uncomfortable with the scene. 
I mean, she's probably she's the highest billed actress in this movie, like the highest highest billed actor in the, in this movie. Um, and I imagine she is probably the one that insisted that she has full control over this scene. And yeah. you know, the result is something that's very disturbing, but actually well, something that I respect very much. Well, I'm glad she was consulted. Yes, because I, I didn't even think I didn't even think of that. And so that's the most brutal scene in the film. And then we flash back, and everything. I I love the sensation that you get. You've just been like traumatized by what you've seen, and then we flash to this really bustling party, and they're like, "There's like jokes happening." Like, um, so Marcus is like a party boy who's doing lots of drugs and stuff, and Pierre is rolling his eyes, and he's like, "This oaf," and like they try and do like a whole comedy bit. Yeah, I think a lot of it's like the second half of the film is almost like. So Pierre is meant to be um, Alex's ex-boyfriend yes. and Marcus is her current boyfriend and Pierre is kind of like the measured like intellect and Marcus is like it's the head of yeah, yeah, like party boy. And so it's almost like a, um, like, it's almost, no, no, it's not slapstick, but there are like. But it's a, it's a light comedy. It's like a, it's almost like a relationship comedy of these three people all trying to like get along and. Yeah. You know, so it, it you do get a breather. The, the you know last forty minutes or so is you know it's just like oh okay this is this is like a comedy about like sex and like gender politics. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alex sees that Marcus is flirting with girls at the party, and so she decides to leave early, and that's that's what prompted her to to uh, go under the underpass alone and um, and to be assaulted, and that kind of. Uh, well, it was actually a girl telling her the underpass was safer than the street. But, you yeah. know, but technically yeah. she left the party because, yeah, Marcus is being a dickhead. Um, and that kind of adds to why Marcus is so angered and yeah. probably angry at himself. And that's why he flew into a rage. A rage. Um, we then flash back to when they were at the train station and on the train. And it's very French film. So they had this very intricate discussion mm. about sex. Yes, and how Pierre couldn't make Alex calm. Yeah. Because Pierre was too concerned about pleasuring her and didn't think of himself. And Alex said sometimes she just wants a guy to let go. Well, see, she has a whole line of um, sometimes women find pleasure in the pleasure the man feels and stuff, which is kind of this weird... It was just this creepy foreshadowing, I suppose. We yeah. already know what's happened, but... Um, but it, it, it's the kind of exchange that you get in like a Goddard film or something like that, kind of light gender politics, like nothing serious. Yeah, they're all laughing about, yeah, the different sexual outlooks, etc. Yeah. Um, we flash back to Alex and Marcus just after having sex. Um, oh, and it's worth noting in this that um, Monica Bellucci and Vincent um, Kessel um, were married. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, at the time of this, they've since been divorced, not because of this movie, <laughs> um, but I did. I, I thought I thought that at the time because this this kind of after sex scene that they have, they're completely naked and it's like there's no barrier between them. It's very intimate. Um, and so I was like, are these actors comfortable with that? And it was like, oh, because they're married. I just noticed that Vincent had a great speedo tan. Yeah, yeah, he did. I was like, clearly someone likes to bathe <laughs> in the sun. Um, uh, Alex takes a shower and then uses a pregnancy test um, in which she finds out that she's pregnant and she's um, very excited about that. Um, we flash back earlier and this is where Gaspar Noe gets to be a little bit pretentious. He, um, it's, it's Alex in the room and she's got the 2001 A Space Odyssey up. Um, 
And then we flash back again to Alex sitting in a park and she's reading a book, An Experiment with Time by J.W. Dunn. I, I didn't know this until I looked it up. Um, Beethoven's 7th Symphony is playing, which apparently ties into Enter the Void. Okay. Um, as a bit of a like thematic tie-in. I don't know. If he, I don't think he's done it with all of his films. But he's used, you know, he has used characters. He's used characters in multiple films, but for like cameos, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, he, like, like, he does like to vaguely tie his cinematic universe. Was there, there was nothing in Climax, though, wasn't there? No, nothing in Climax. Seems like it was a bit of a fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think love was kind of reviled, so I think he probably had to. Yeah, it was probably had to good start in three D. Um, the camera then spins and spins and spins, and then blacks out, and then we get into a very intense strobe effect. Apologies, epileptics, um, and a title uh, title card displays "Le Thème du Tout." Time destroys everything. Oh, I got a bit turned on there, Jerry. I don't think that was correct pronunciation. <laughs> I'm an easy girl to please. Um, and so you're left uh, kind of contemplating the horribleness of time because she started off so happy and promising and the night ruined her and indeed ruined the lives of Pierre and Vincent as well. Mm-hmm. Pierre and Marcus as well. And look, your life will be ruined the first half of the film, but you do get a bit of time to breathe and process you know, in the in the latter part. Well, of the I don't, movie. but it's almost worse though because you 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 there's like everything at the start of the film is tension and pain and blah blah blah, and then the terrific act, and then you're just feeling sad because you know what's going to happen to these people for the rest. Oh, and this is there is that other scene where she's really she meets the pregnant friends at the party. She's like, I want to dance. And yeah. She's like feeling her belly, and it's all. And yeah. you don't understand the context of that until the next scene. Yeah. It definitely yeah. It's, it's it's not an easy ride at any point, but I feel like it, you you do get to breathe and process a bit as it as it goes on. Yeah, which is the intention. So, I think I it'll either be something a, a movie that you'll fucking hate or you'll love. Um, I think no matter how you react to it, you have to appreciate that Gaspar Noé is a talented person. I think it's a very powerful piece of cinema. I it, I could never say I love it, but I think that it's it has a mission and it succeeds in that mission. And yeah. the fact that, you know, I haven't seen it for about 10 years and so much of it was still, like, burned into my psyche, I think, you know, stands to the level of power that the film has. Thank you for listening to the Sinister Sissies podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Sinister Sissies. You can follow me on Twitter at Jared Bartle. You can follow us on Instagram at Sinister underscore Sissies. Uh, and please consider supporting us on Patreon for after shows and extra content. Please do. Juicy content. <laughs> Until next time, though, stay sinister. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.